Last week, we began talking about distractions, right? And we looked at the, um, the Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan. Flip back to Luke chapter 10 again, because we're going to pick up right where that leaves off. We stopped in verse 37. Now we're going to pick it up in verse 38 through 42. This is a well-known story again. Um, it's not a parable. This actually happened. Um, and I've preached this passage before. So you might say, Pastor, if I go back on our archives, I know you've preached this one. You're right, I have. Pastor, I know there's spots in the Bible you haven't preached yet. You're right, there are. Maybe one day we'll get there. But today we're not. Today we're back in Luke chapter 10. And somebody so kindly put an earring on this stand, so I have something to play with now. It's a small loop, so if somebody's missing a small loop, it's been here for like two weeks, so if you're like, I might be missing the earring today, you put in one earring and didn't put in another one, if that's the case. So if somebody's missing an earring, it's up here. Um, but this passage illustrates a very important message that good things, wholesome things, the right thing, if you will, just as easily distracts us from what God wants us to do. The good thing is not always the best thing. Or to put it how I normally would say it, the good thing is not always the goodest thing. I learned English. You put an EST at the end, it means the, the most, so, right? The mostest. There you go. Because we, fight, we, we always struggle and fight against, well, I don't want to be distracted by my sin. I don't want to be distracted by culture. I don't want to be distracted by this and that. And we get so wrapped up being distracted in the things that are good that we lose sight of what God wants us to be doing. Short, it's only four or five verses. Let's jump to it. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. It reads, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. So after he's done teaching, right, the lawyers and the scribes and all that stuff, he's sent them away. They don't know what to do now because he's smarter than them. He's traveling and he comes to the home of Mary and Martha and also Lazarus. Now Lazarus is not mentioned here, but we'll read about him later in Luke. Uh, three siblings. We don't know the age order, but it's safe to assume Martha is most likely the oldest. Why do I say that? She was in charge of making the food, welcoming Jesus and the disciples into the home. And once Lazarus dies, who is it that meets Jesus at the door? It's not Mary. It's Martha. Martha was most likely the oldest. And here's the thing, if you are the oldest sibling, you might be sitting there going, well, of course, they had to do everything. Where's Mary at? She's probably the youngest, isn't she? Probably, to be frank. She gets to have the best times. But most importantly, Martha is a 
worker. And you can see in, in, in science and psychology and stuff, they lay out that generally the oldest sibling tends to be the hardest worker of the siblings tends to be. It's not always. For instance, in my family, I'm the hardest worker, right, Linnea? <laughs> but generally, right? But generally. And usually the youngest tends to be the most spoiled, right, Linnea? Yeah. Martha is the worker of the group. Lazarus would have been the caretaker kind of of the family. He's the male, so he would have been the breadwinner and stuff like that. Remember, this is back in those times when uh, uh, women took care of the home and men worked the job. So that's why Lazarus isn't the one greeting and stuff like that. That would have fallen to Martha, the eldest daughter. So we see Martha and Mary. Side note, side note here. How many of you have ever gotten really confused about the amount of Marys in the New Testament? It's so annoying. Everybody's named Mary. There's at least three. At least three. And, and I don't know. Whatever. Obviously, this isn't Jesus' mom. I doubt it's the prostitute. So we, now we've got a third Mary on our hands. When I was a kid in Sunday school, all they would say is Mary. And I'm like, which one? Where are we going? He comes into the home of Mary and Martha. They welcome him in. And Martha does what Martha knows what is right to do. She begins making the meal. She made sure the house is all cleaned up and ready to go. She makes sure that Jesus has his preferred beverage. She makes sure that Jesus is comfortable. She makes sure that a slave has washed Jesus' feet. She makes sure that all of these things are happening. But there's a key word that we find in verse 40. But Martha was distracted. You see, the point is, what Martha was doing was not wrong. I want to make that clear. Martha was not in the wrong. She just wasn't fully in the right. Jesus is going to answer her later and say, listen, there is a better thing. We're going to talk about what Martha should have been doing. But I want to point a few things out that this story um, shows us. The first thing is, and I've said this before, and I'm a staunch believer in this. Where you spend your time is where your priorities lie. Right? Our day is 24 hours long. You spend, most likely, some of you might spend more or less than this, but they average, they, they say adults should get seven to eight hours of sleep. So let's say, we'll be kind and say you get the full seven. Good job. So now you're down to 17 hours to sleep, correct? Is my math correct? I'm going to be looking at you to make sure. Seven, or 17 hours to sleep, I wish. 17 hours left in your day. If you are still working... You work an eight-hour job plus an hour-long lunch, nine hours. Linnea, what is 14 minus nine? Seven. Five. Oh, did you say, I thought you said seven. And I was like, I thought it was five, but I'll trust you. What did I say? Okay. Okay. Let's restart, shall we? 24 minus seven is what? 18. Guys, guys, if it hasn't become obvious yet, your pastor is not a mathematician. It was his weakest subject in school. Somebody grab a calculator. 
<laughs> 17. 17 minus 9 is 8. Okay, here we go. So you've got 8 hours left in your day, give or take, right? No, we already subtracted that. We already, we already subtracted that. You have 8 hours left in your day. What, where, and how do you spend those eight hours? I'm not saying you don't need to go grocery shopping some of those hours. I'm not saying you shouldn't sit down and watch the football game. I'm not saying you shouldn't do this or that, but I am saying where you spend those eight hours is where your priorities lie. If you spend most of those eight hours with your family, family's your priority. If you spend most of those eight hours overtime at work because you work, work is your priority. Or money, I'll let you choose. Probably money, but I'll let you choose. If you spend most of that time with sports, sports is your priority. Now, I'm not talking about a pro athlete who's got to take care of their body and they do all that. I'm talking about you and I, the average person. I'm not saying there aren't outliers. I'm not saying that sometimes you've got to stay late at work. I'm not saying that if you're waiting for somebody to come and relieve you, you can't just leave. You've got to wait for them to get there. I'm not saying that every once in a while when you've got to stay an extra hour at work, that's a bad thing. What I am saying is if it's a pattern and it's your choice, that's your priority. You see, the issue is Martha's priorities. Martha's priority was not to sit at the feet of Jesus. That was Mary's priority. Martha's priority was to make sure that everything was perfect. We've talked about this before. There's four countries that people live in. Peace, control, fun, and perfect. Okay, Everybody splits into at least two of those. Your pastor is a control fun. I want to be in control of everything, and gosh darn it, I want to have fun while we're doing it. My mom, who I work very closely with because she's the admin, is a fun piece. It means we have a great time, but sometimes we struggle to get things done because we're too busy having a great time. My dad is a control perfect. So is my aunt. Now here's the big issue. Get this, mark this. They both want to be in control. And they both want things to be perfect, but their perfects are not the same. That's an issue. It's important, right? Maddie, I'll bring it home to Maddie. Maddie is a peace perfect. She wants everything to be peaceful, and she wants everything to be perfect. Which means she gets very annoyed with me, because I just want to have fun. And she's like, this isn't perfect yet. It comes out most when we're doing music. We do music so differently. I'm up there having a grand old time, and she's like, we messed up this one chord. And I'm like, yeah, okay, here we go. <laughs> she hates it the most because she knows I could get up there and sing all prim and proper. I've shown her that I can do it. And yet, more often than not, when she's around, I start singing in a voice like this. And I slur words, and I get R's, I hit hard R's, because I'm fun, and I know it annoys her, and I find that fun. <laughs> so Martha, Martha is very obviously, from these four or five verses, we can see very obviously, she is a control and a perfect. Most firstborn children are a control and a perfect. Mary is probably a piece. 
and I'd probably say she's a fun. They're literally diametrically opposed. That's why Martha gets so upset. But that's why everything's got to be perfect for Jesus. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. Should Mary have prepared, not excuse me, Mary. Should Martha have prepared a meal for Jesus and the rest of the guests? Yes, she should have. The issue was she did too much. We'll break it down and make it easy. She has one hour. She decided to use that whole hour to make the food. Instead of sandwiches, she decided to make a lasagna. There's nothing wrong with lasagna unless you put ricotta cheese in it. Then there's a lot of things wrong with, ricotta, with lasagna. Literally every bite that has ricotta cheese. The issue was not what Martha was doing. The issue was her priority. She was distracted by what was good away from what was best. And there's a key difference there. Now, here's the other thing. Should Mary have helped make the sandwiches? Yes, she should have. Because if she helped make the sandwiches, then they can both sit at Jesus' feet even quicker. However, comma, if you have to choose, Jesus is pretty darn clear in verse 42. Only one thing is necessary sitting at Jesus' feet. Mary chose best when it came to that decision. We can easily be distracted by good things, by work, by getting a dinner ready for church, by uh, uh, making sure that the sound is perfect, by making sure, you know what, I can get distracted by making sure that every single piece of this service from 9.30 until 10.30, 10.45 goes perfectly. No missed chords, no passing out the cup first accidentally, not forgetting that we've got a business meeting, not forgetting noisy offering. I could spend my entire week preparing to ensure that this service goes perfectly and I would miss the point. Because the point isn't the service going perfectly. The point is we come together and worship and fellowship together and with our king. And the issue becomes we get distracted by the good things around us. Just as easily and sometimes more easily than by the bad things around us like we talked about last week. Notice that Jesus never once tells Martha she did the wrong thing in preparing the meal. The wrong thing was making it her priority. Her priority should have been Jesus. So let's talk about applying it a little bit, shall we? I've got a couple of physical things for you to do this week. Every time you think you're getting your priorities wrong, I want you to do 25 push-ups. I'm joking. However, I do want you to make a list of the things you prioritize. Family, work, be honest with yourself if it's money. Be honest with yourself if it's making sure everything is perfect. Be honest with yourself about each thing. Some things are good, some things are bad. That's all right. We're going to work on that. But make the list and prioritize it. Make it one to, do one to five. Make it, make it easy on yourselves. One to five, right? And list them out. Not, these are my five. No, no. I want, what is your number one priority? Please don't go, well, I put God as my number one priority, unless he actually is. And I'm sorry, but I don't know that anybody in this room, including your pastor, 
could honestly say God is always my number one priority. He should be, but I'm not saying, but I'm telling you, he's probably not in every aspect of our lives. Make that list, top five, because you need to see what they actually are. Because it's really easy in our brains to be like, well, it's this, or no, it's not that. It's really harder when you've written it down to look at it and go, oh, crap. That's why you write it down. And then, if God isn't number one, make it so. Let me give you some examples of how to make it so, and I don't want to sound like I'm bragging because I hate the fact that I have to do this stuff, okay? Your pastor is not a morning person. In fact, he hates them. There has not been a day that I can remember since I was 10, 11 years old that I did not wake up angry. Why? Because I had been woken up. I hate it. It does not matter how many hours of sleep I've gotten. So I force myself to get up early every morning, way earlier than I would have to. And I go downstairs, and I hop on our exercise bike that we have, because your pastor got a bad report the last time he went to see the doctor about his weight, and they said, literally, he goes, you want to work on losing some weight for me? That's a little slap in the face. Thanks, doc. Jeez. So I get up and I go down and I get on my exercise bike and I ride it for 20 to 30 minutes. And while I'm on that bike, I spend some time with God. I'm not telling you I do a devotional when I'm on the bike. It's kind of hard when you're going like this. But I spend time talking to him. And we talk about the day that's coming up. We talk about the day that happened yesterday. I talk to him about what he wants me to be doing this coming day. I pray for this church, I pray for my family, I pray for myself, I pray for this country. I spend time with God in the morning because I want him to be my priority, not my sleep, not my getting to lay in bed an extra 10 minutes, hitting that nice snooze, nope. I want to make sure God is my priority, so I have to force myself to do it. Another way to help make God your priority is something that we in America don't do very often. Fast. The point of fasting is not to get hungry and to feel that hunger and go, okay, God, see, I'm denying food for you. No, no. This isn't some sadomasochist thing. Fasting, the point of fasting is you take the time you would spend either eating or whatever and spend it with God. You might need to. I have taken fasts from sports. I've taken fasts from music. I've taken fasts from food. Take a fast from something important in your life. They did food because that was the most important thing. In today's world, it might not be so. Take a fast from the most important thing in your life. I'm not talking about your family. I'm not saying go shut yourself in your room away from your family. But maybe deny yourself lunch that day. And for that hour, instead of eating a nice sandwich, I love sandwiches, it's not fair. I was telling Linnea earlier. It's not fair that I'm a diabetic because everything that tastes good is either sugar or carbs. It's just not fair. One day I'll be in heaven and I'm just going to eat all of the Swedish fish. It won't stop. And sandwiches. A good slice of pizza. All right, now I'm hungry. Fast, amen, ice cream. Fast from something and spend that time with God. Choose willfully to spend that time with God, you will feel hungry. You will miss it. 
doesn't matter. Spend it with him. Force yourself to make him the priority. Remove the distraction, if only for a time. You can't remove the fully the distraction of work if you're not retired. You got to go to work. I'd love to be able to go, yeah, I'm going to remove the distraction of work. I'll see you guys next Sunday. If I did that, there'd be a whole lot of other distractions I'd have to remove at that point too. But uh, you might not be able to remove certain distractions. Remove the ones that you can and spend time with him. Not telling you not to watch the football games today. I will. I watched both of them yesterday too. I'm not telling you not to, you know, whatever. If you like golf, I think golfing's on. NASCAR starts in two weeks. For some reason, the first race of the year is not the Daytona 500 this year. Those liberals got into NASCAR, didn't they? No, 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 no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's not the first race of the year, but that's not, that's not why. This, this is why. Money. Because L.A. paid for a whole lot of money to have him race there. Either way, whatever your vice is, whatever your distraction is, remove it. And spend some time with God instead. I don't mean necessarily remove it indefinitely. But if you go, I really, I need to watch, I need to watch this this afternoon. That's your distraction. Turn it off and spend some time with God instead. Wow, this new album came out and I just really need to listen to it. I've got to put off everything. Nope. Spend time with God instead. Wow, I'm really just, my whole life revolves around, I'm going to hit you guys hard with this one. Here you go. My whole life revolves around coffee. Put that cup down and pray to God. And then pick it back up and take a drink. I've seen some of y'all without coffee. I don't want to. But here's the thing. Not all distractions are bad. In fact, or not all things that distract us are bad. In fact, a lot of them are good. But they still distract us from what is best, which is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Listening to him talk. Sharing our burdens and our, and our hurts and our hang-ups and our heartaches with him. And being in his presence is the best thing. Stuff will wait. It'll be there when you get back. So go spend the time with Jesus first. And as we continue on in this year, as we're talking about what, not why. Why? God, why is this happening? Why are you allowing this? is one of the biggest distractions that we have in our lives. It distracts us from going, God, what is it you are teaching me? What is it you want me to do? You only learn those things from sitting at his feet. It's the only place you get the answers to those questions. Why? It's not a bad distraction, but it's a distraction nonetheless. Focus on what? Focus on sitting at his feet. Get the stuff ready that you need to. Make the sandwiches. But make sure you're at his feet too. Would you pray with me? Father, it's incredibly easy for us to get caught up in the distractions of this world. The good things, right? With, 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 with sports or with music or with work or with, you know, whatever it is in each of our lives. It's easy to get distracted. Oh, I've got to go and make dinner. Oh, I've got to do this and this and this. And we can get easily distracted from the fact that sitting at your feet is the most important thing. Father, I ask that you help us to strike that balance. To recognize, yes, we need to make the dinner. 
But maybe tonight it's chicken nuggets and not chicken cordon bleu. That tonight we need to sit at your feet. Father, I thank you that you help us with these distractions. And that you're always right there with us. That you're always right there. That when we can turn and go, God, I got distracted. He goes, I know. I'm right here. Let's talk. You're never like, yeah, I know you got distracted, so I left too. Nope. You're always right there waiting for us just to turn back around and go, Father, I'm, I'm sorry. We praise you, Father. We love you. It's in the name of your Son that we pray. Amen and amen.